Praise the Lord, everyone. In the book of Psalms 150, it says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let's praise him this morning. Welcome the presence of God into his sanctuary. Father, we thank you today. We magnify your name. We glorify your name. We praise you, O Lord, with our breath in Jesus' name. Clap your hands together and give him glory as we enter into our worship. Jesus! 
Where your angels never cease to cry Holy 
go ahead and bask in his presence right now. Thank you, Jesus. Does anybody believe we're there today? Many times we get in our minds thinking, well, take me there. That's heaven. That's a new Jerusalem. That's going to be eternity. But I'm going to tell you where there is. It's in his presence. And the Bible said where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, there am I in the midst of them and in the presence of the Lord. There's fullness of joy. At his right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. There's healing this morning. There's deliverance this morning because we are there in his presence. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Why don't you take your liberty and magnify his name right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship your name today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're able, you can return to your seats. We have a few announcements we want to make, but I'd like to share just a few moments with a testimony with you because on this date, a year ago, I found myself not here but in the hospital. I had been diagnosed with a tumor on my brain, cancer on my kidney. Can well take me there. I lost my visual where I could not drive, seeing double, severe headaches. One day I was working, doing fine. The next day I found out all of this. But I'm here to tell you, and I told one of the famous neurosurgeons in our area, Dr. Andrew Boucher, as he came in to explain what had happened. I looked at that young man in his 30s and I thought, man, the knowledge that guy has of the body blew my mind as he described what had taken place in my body. But I looked at him. He was sitting on a little stool about three feet from me. And I said, Dr. Boucher, I want to tell you that I'm putting my life in your hands as a surgeon, trusting your ability to do what you've learned to do. But I just want to inform you that there's a higher power and his name is Jesus and he's able. He's the one that's going to ultimately bring me through this. Whether I live or die, I'm going to win. <laughs> it's a win-win situation. And I said, I appreciate what you're going to do, but he's the one that has the final say and he's the ultimate healer. And he slid that little school up, stool up next to me and patted me on the knee. He didn't have words, but the tears were in his eyes because he recognized there is a higher power. And I'm here today to declare to you that I'm, I've been told I'm cancer-free now and I don't have that cancer anymore. I don't have that tumor in my brain anymore. I'm able to see and drive. I'm able to praise the Lord. I'm able to leap for joy. I'm able to worship His name because my God is here. 
Whoa. Hallelujah. The song says, take me there, but really it's right here in his presence, in the spirit of the Lord, where there's deliverance and healing and salvation. Thank you, God. Why don't we just praise him right now, lift your hand and wave it to the Lord and thank him for his mercy. God, we appreciate you so much. In Jesus' name, I bless you. You may be seated. I have a few announcements to make this morning. Uh, of course, our guest meet and greet. If you're a guest here at Bethlehem Church, we invite you after service to go back to the, the um, I forget, they used to call it VIP room. What's it called now? Discipleship, Discipleship room. And meet all of our leaders that be back there to greet you and have a few refreshments for you. We want to welcome you there. And uh, also... We'd like for you to, if you're watching us this morning online, make sure to hit the like and share button. This service is on Facebook and YouTube. And it is amazing new technologies that we're reaching a, literally a potential of millions of people across the web that are looking for something that will change their lives. How many out here have found it and you're thankful that God has turned your life around? We want you to know there's a place for you here at Bethlehem Church. We have personal Bible studies. Sign up on the BC app or bethchurch.org. We have grow classes for all new members on Wednesdays, life groups. I've already started back or getting ready to in this next coming month, which is August and already on us. Leadership Life Group, if you are a current life group leader or be interested in being a life group leader, there's a meeting that's going to be held on the 11th of August at 6.30 p.m. at Brother Tim Tucker's house in New Albany. That's August the 11th at 6.30 at Brother Tucker's house in New Albany. For all of our life group leaders and anybody that's interested in being a leader, please make sure and come to that. We have a prayer request as we're getting ready to pray in here in just a few moments for Sister Peggy Cook. We want to pray that God would touch her body. I think sometimes when we come to announcements, we sort of try to rush right through them. Sometimes they're really important. We need to take a little time. And this is one of them today. Today, everybody say today is the last day to pre-register for ministry conference. After today, we'll go up. I think they're talking about in price. It'll go up. September the 15th and 16th is ministry conference in Maryville, Tennessee. So if you want to pre-register, today's the last day for that. Also, our men's fishing trip. If you're planning on going to that, there'll be a meeting right over here on my right, your left, this morning immediately after church so make sure if you're on the fishing trip that you will meet with the brethren over there in the way of offering I don't want to just swiftly go through this but I want to read you a few scriptures if you don't mind me taking just a little liberty from Malachi the third chapter sometimes we just kind of brush through well this is just offering and tithe and a lot of people don't even know what it's all about but God said in Malachi 3 and 6, 
For I am the Lord, and I change not. I mean, he's glad he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Now, why would God talk about consuming them? Because he said, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me. How many has ever gotten away from God's law and God's order? But aren't you glad he's, he reached out and said, return unto me. And I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? And here's what God said. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? God answers their question and says, in tithes and offerings. The results of robbing God by not bringing the tithe, which the Bible says is one-tenth of our increase unto the Lord, and not bringing our offerings, is this. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. But aren't you glad there's a remedy for the curse? And in verse 10, God gives us the remedy. Bring ye all the tithe. Everybody say all the tithe. That, that means if you make $1,000, 100 of that is all of the tithe. You don't just write $10 and put it in a tithe note and say, I paid my tithes. Still robbing God. But all the tithe, one-tenth, into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. How many is glad there's meat in God's house? God's given us a pastor and ministry that'll preach the meat of God's word. That there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, <laughs> saith the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough Woo, to receive it. Hallelujah. If you want that kind of blessing, raise your hand and wave it a little bit. But that's not what gonna, what's going to bring it. Just wave in your hand. Bring your offering and your tithe, he said. And not only will I pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough, he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field saith the Lord of hosts and all nations shall call you blessed for ye shall be a delightsome land saith the Lord of hosts if you believe that clap your hands unto the Lord today stand with me this morning and we're going to have our ushers to come if you have not received that blessing and that promise of God search your heart and say and ask yourself this morning have I been faithful to God in paying my tithes and offerings 
because he is the Lord and he changes not. He still believes that same word is still real for us today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to bring our tithe and offering into your house. We ask you to bless it now, Lord, and bless those that will obey your word, that that curse will be left off from them, that that devourer will be rebuked by you, and that they may be called blessed people from every nation in the earth. We thank you, God. We pray for healing for those that are sick, for deliverance, for ministry, oh God, to bless today through the word that somebody will obey the gospel. And we'll give you the praise and honor for it today in Jesus' name. Clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. March around and bring your tithe and offering as the ushers direct you today. Some night closed off the light, my heart sank with fear. A desperate cry rang out with pride, and all I could see was no hope inside. Then all but gone, I met the one who came looking for me. He came looking for me. He came looking for me. So far, would anyone care that I'd soon be lost? I knew my destruction was a matter of time. But Jesus appeared and said, this one is mine. I'm saved from the old heart. For he walked through the storm. He came looking for me. He came looking for me.
you glad he came looking for you one day oh that's right worship him he's here looking for somebody right now thank you jesus hallelujah that's right let's worship him uh, his presence is in this place hallelujah oh hallelujah that's right let's praise him i feel his anointing in this place Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord together. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, Lord, you're worthy. Go ahead, let the Holy Ghost move here. Praise God. Hallelujah. God, praise God. Everybody worship Him. Amen. Worship is the gateway to His presence. And in His presence, there's fullness of joy. You can praise your way to victory today. You can praise your way to joy right now. Hallelujah. the redeemed of the Lord say so who the Lord has redeemed you ought to praise him for redeeming your life from destruction amen praise the Lord amen go with me to the book of Psalms chapter number 48 then to Isaiah chapter number 14 don't forget the meeting about the men's trip that is over here on the side by the organ, on the other side by the drum cage. If you're on the greeting team or want to serve on the greeting team, there's a meeting over here after church for that. 
Amen. Those are two meetings. And don't forget the meet and greet. That's three. And that's right after service for all of our guests and our new members. I hope that you'll meet us and get us a chance to connect. And that'll be in the discipleship room. If you'll go through the vestibule, past the restrooms, the prayer room is over there. And on the last room on the right, we'd like to meet with you following service for refreshments. If you're a new member or a, uh, a brand new guest, we're so thankful that you're here. Amen. We have the Radical Recovery Revival, August 18, 19, and 20. That's a Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. Brother Miller's going to be with us. He's also going to be here on the 16th on Wednesday night. It's going to be a great time. Tonight, 5 o'clock, be free. 6 o'clock prayer in church at 6.30. Amen. Psalms 48, 1 and 2, if you found it, say praise the Lord. And then Isaiah chapter number 14, verses 12 and 13. Back in June, I was at a uh, conference, at our general conference, sitting on the platform, and God began to deal with me about these two passages of Scripture. And for the last five or six weeks or so, been uh, going over in my mind and trying to grasp what the Lord wants to say. I don't feel like I'm done, but I feel like I need to preach it. So that's, you ever feel that way? Brother Carson, you know what I'm talking about. You feel like there's more, but, but uh, you probably feel like it's enough. Psalms 48, 1 and 2, great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised in the city of our God in the mountain of his holiness beautiful for situation the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north the city of the great king look at somebody and tell them tell them the sides of the north Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Who's the great king? Amen. Isaiah chapter number 14, verses 12 and 13. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Psalms 48 said that Zion was the city of God, the mountain of his holiness on the sides of the north. And Lucifer said, I'm going to depose God and I'm going to take his place in the sides of the north. I want to preach for a little while this morning on the battle for the sides of the north. God, I pray you help me to preach. I pray, God, let the spirit of revelation and understanding move in this place. The anointing of the Holy Ghost to destroy every yoke. God, I pray, Lord, that I would open my spirit to yours and my mind to yours and my heart to yours. 
I pray that you would confirm the word with signs following and reveal your glory in this place. God, I pray in the name of the Lord, I ask you to do your work in this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The land of Israel is full of contours and contrasts, from its hills and its valleys to its forests and deserts. From the time of the traveling of the patriarchs to the conquest and inheritance of the land, to the wandering of the prophets, these mountaintops have played significant roles in the Bible. The geography of the land shaped Israel's perception of the world. Specifically, the mountains of Israel are the predominant important feature of the land. And also, they're a major part of biblical literature. The fertile land of the hills and valleys gave rise to an entire vocabulary that dealt with the biblical motif of mountains. Mountains became places of worship, places to commune with God and places of safety. The mountains of the Bible, like Mount Hermon and Mount Moriah and Mount Nebo and Mount Pisgah and Mount Lebanon, Mount Sinai, Mount Carmel, the Mount of Olives, all are significant. The mountains of the Bible shows that mountains are overwhelmingly considered a positive feature of the land of Israel. They are something solid and permanent. Their height connotates authority. They are fertile and support life. What more desirable spot than a mountain could God choose for his earthly home? Mount Zion in Jerusalem is the seminal symbol in the sacred history of the Bible. The reality is that Mount Zion really is outflanked by the hills that surround it. Zion only rises 50 to 60 meters above the Kidron Valley. It's not the tallest of the hills that surround the city. Nonetheless, Mount Zion is acclaimed as Israel's most sacred mountain. God has chosen to be identified with Mount Zion. Psalms 76, 1 and 2, in Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem, or Jerusalem, is his tabernacle. And his dwelling place is Zion. His dwelling place is is Zion. God has chosen to dwell in Zion. The word Zion actually means, from its original language, it means a parched place or a dry place. I'm glad to know a God that is not afraid of dry places. He actually picked a place named dry place as his place to dwell. So don't let the devil tell you when you're in a dry place that God is far from you. 
you may be at the very habitation of God himself. God's not afraid of dry places. And I don't believe it was an accident, and I don't think that God does anything at random. He takes a dry place and turns it into his habitation. He steps in to dry places and makes it a Mount Zion, where this location was previously known as a dry place. When God moved in, it became the mountain of his holiness and the habitation of God. God is a God of the dry places and the deserts just as much as he, as he is the God of the green, well-watered valleys. God is a God of all geography. Praise the Lord. He'll move into your dry place, and his presence will bring rivers of living water. I wonder if I have any witnesses today that you could say, when I came to God, I was as dry as dry could be. But when I found him in an altar and the Holy Ghost filled my life, I was filled with rivers of water. And when I was a dry place, I walked in as dry as I could be, but I walked out with rivers of living water flowing out of my soul. He'll move into your dry place. John 7, 37 through 39 said, At the last day, this is speaking of a great feast that the Jews would celebrate. In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If you are in a dry place, if you're in a parched place, then come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Spirit, praise God, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus said, the river of living water that will flow out of you is the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. I contend that when people really believe on Jesus like the Bible says, not like denomination says, not like man's religion says, not like granny's church says, but when you believe like the Bible says, you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost, a river of living water flowing out of a life that was otherwise, <coughs> otherwise dry. I think we ought to lift our hands and thank God that God is a God that transforms the dry place into a place that flows with the Holy Ghost. Does anybody here say, that's what happened to me? I came as dry as I could be. I came as empty. The world had taken every ounce of moisture out of my soul, and I didn't know if I could make it another day. But when I found Jesus and he found me, out of my belly there came a river of living water called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. I believe the Bible teaches we need the Holy Ghost. The Bible says without the Spirit of the Lord, we are none of His. The Bible said it's that Spirit inside of us that's going to raise us up. But not only does the Bible teach us that we need the Holy Ghost, the Bible says the Holy Ghost is a gift. Amen. You shouldn't just want the Holy Ghost because you have to have the Holy Ghost. You ought to want the Holy Ghost because it's a gift from God, and it's the best gift. Amen. The Bible said that God gives 
good gifts. And he said that the Holy Ghost is the greatest gift that you can get. Somebody ought to say, God, if it's a great gift from you, then I want it. I've come to tell you, God wants you to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in this place. Somebody ought to say, praise the Lord. Jesus said his spirit poured out would flow like rivers of living water. And so it was because in the upper room in Acts chapter number 2, that, that upper room is actually situated on the top of Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And this upper room where there were 120 gathered together on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2, God poured out the Holy Ghost. The Bible said in Acts 2, 1 through 4, that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and notice verse number four and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance on Mount Zion on the dry place on the parched place God poured out his Spirit and he still does it today if you came in this place dry and you came needing a drink from heaven's well, you came to the right place today because the Holy Ghost is being poured out in this house. The power and the Spirit of God is here. I wish somebody would say praise the Lord. God wants to baptize somebody with the fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place today. Oh, that's right. Thank him for it. You ought to praise him for it. If you've got a dry place in your life, you ought to raise your hands and say, God, I claim what that preacher is preaching over my life. I don't want to walk out of here dry like I came. And so God is defensive about Mount Zion. He'll fight for his church. Isaiah 31 and 4 states, So shall the Lord of hosts come down and fight for Mount Zion. God will fight for Mount Zion. The prophet Isaiah looked ahead in time. Can I preach to you a little while this morning? Amen. I feel like maybe I'm boring you a little bit. Your amens seemed a little bit cold this morning. But the prophet Isaiah looked ahead in time, and I believe he saw this in time generation of Christianity, and he prophesied in Isaiah chapter number 4. He said, In that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying we will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. The number seven is religiously significant. In Revelation, God pronounced judgment on the seven churches that represented the end time church. These seven churches in Revelation, notice there's seven women in Isaiah's prophecy that took hold of one man. I believe that these seven women represent these seven end time churches. And the one man is Jesus. And they, the seven women take hold of Jesus, if you will. And they say, we'll eat our own bread. We don't need you to give us bread. We'll choose our spiritual diet for ourselves. 
Amen. The Bible teaches us that the word of God is the bread of life. Amen. It's daily bread, isn't it? And they say, we don't really want your bread. We'll get our own bread. We don't need you to send a pastor to preach to us and tell us what the Bible. We'll just do what we want to do. We'll get our own word from God, and we'll eat our own bread. We don't need you to send a pastor, an evangelist, a prophet, an apostle, a teacher. We don't need you to do all we want. All, we, we don't need that from you. Don't give us another sermon. We don't need, we'll eat our own bread. And not only will we eat our own bread, <coughs> but we'll wear our own apparel. We don't need you to tell us what to eat, and we don't need you to tell us what to wear. We'll decide for ourselves how we want to present ourselves and how we want to dress. We won't wear anything that identifies ourselves with you. We won't wear anything that will let people know that we're with you. We'll decide our own apparel. We don't want your bread, and we don't want your apparel. All we really want from you is we want your name. Just give us your name. We want the power of your name. We want the authority of your name. We want the healing in your name. We want the anointing of your name, but we don't want your bread or apparel. Just let us have the power of your name. And that's the spirit of this end time church. Don't preach to me stuff I don't want to hear and don't tell me how I'm supposed to dress myself and present myself. Just give me your name when I want it. Let me live how, you don't want me to preach this, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Let me live however I want from Monday through Saturday. And when I come on Sunday, then give me your name. When I'm almost in a wreck and I call out your name. When I need something right, when I get a bad report and I need your name. But otherwise, don't bother my life at all. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. I know that's the spirit of this end time church. Amen. Don't preach to me about giving. Don't preach to me about holiness. Don't preach to me about changing my lifestyle. Don't preach to me about sin. Just let me show up and get a good little blessing and get the power of your name and you leave my bread and you leave my apparel alone. But the Lord looked ahead and he said there's a problem with that kind of mentality. There's a problem with the kind of Christianity that only wants the blessings without the responsibility. Just give me the power of your name but don't change the way I have to live live at all. Let me do what I want, go where I want, live how I want. Oh God, the spirit of this end time church that we're living. You know I'm preaching you the truth. You may not like what I'm preaching, but you know I'm preaching the truth. You may not want me to preach it, but you know I'm preaching the word of God that this generation wants to do what they want, consume what they want, wear what they want, but still get the anointing anytime they want it. What's that got to do with your message? Well, let's read another verse. Just two verses later, Isaiah 4 and 3. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy. Even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. The prophet of God said, there's going to be some that they don't want the, the bread and they don't want your apparel. But in Zion, there's going to be some that remain in Jerusalem. And those people are going to be holy. They're going to stick out from everybody else around them. 
They're going to be different than those seven women that want to wear their apparel and eat their own bread. But there's going to be a remnant in Zion in the city of God that shall be called holy. Can I tell you that even in 2023 that God's church is a holy church and God's people are a holy people. Amen. I know it's not popular in some circles, but I still believe it's powerful and it's popular in the eyes of God. There's something about a group of people that says, God, I don't want my own bread and I don't want my own. I want everything. And God said the people that stay in Zion are going to be holy people. When we come to God, when we come to God, we are filthy with sin, stained by this world. We, like the prodigal son, stained by the pig pen of this generation. The wicked world we live in leaves its filth on our minds, in our heart, in our spirit. Amen. Don't tell me that it's not true. The Bible said that Lot's righteous soul was vexed from day to day. Not by partaking and doing, but by seeing and hearing. Just being in this world leaves a residue of sin. Have you ever gone someplace in this world and you walk out and you just feel like you're, like you're dirty? You didn't do anything. Am I, am I wrong? Am I out? Am I missing something or am I right? That you didn't do it, you didn't say it, but just by being around it, you feel like your soul is vexed and you got to have a good old-fashioned prayer meeting just to get your spirit right. This world leaves a residue on people and let alone if we just passing through feel that way, what does it do to the people that dwell in sin on a regular basis? But here's what the very next verse of Isaiah 4 said. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion. He said, God is going to wash away the things of this world. If you feel burdened by the things of this world, I've got good news. We've got a God that washes in Zion. Hallelujah. We've got a God that still cleanses people from the sin of this world. We've got a God that will still purge your conscience from dead works so you can serve God. You don't have to be a slave to what happened in your life 10 years, 20 years ago. You don't have to be a slave to the sins you committed last week. You can be washed in Zion. Thank God for the city of our God. Hallelujah. When the, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion. Look, look at verse number five, the very next verse. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies. That word assemblies is the Hebrew word that means something that is called out or a group that is called out. The New Testament Greek word is the word ecclesia, which means the called out ones. It's translated in the New Testament as the word church. He said, in the, every place on Mount Zion, upon her assemblies, wherever there are people who are called out, there's going to be a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of flaming fire by night, for upon all the glory shall be a defense. 
God says that for the people that are in my church, in the day when the sun is shining bright, I'll be a cloud for them. And at night when it's dark and cold, I'll be a burning fire for them. And I will be a defender for Mount Zion. Can I tell you that if you're in the church, you can just throw your head back and say, God, you're going to make a way. No matter what I'm dealing with, you're going to make a way. Hallelujah. On the called out ones. Psalms 48 and 1, great is the Lord. I'm trying, I'm trying to hurry. Amen. Brother, Brother Steve was telling me that, that, that he came in last night. Brother Steve Cottrell, they were having their women's get together. And, and I guess he wasn't invited. And so while they were having their get together, he came in here in the sanctuary and prayed. And he and 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 he hears me when I say my clock, you know, like right now I've been preaching 22 minutes and 22 seconds. And he said he came up here looking for my clock because he was going to steal it. And so he said, "Where?" So so when I I scared him this morning again, and uh, and he said, "Where's this? Where's this clock you talk about?" And so I showed it to him on my phone. He said, "I was going to take it." So. He wants me just to preach, so if I get long-winded, blame him. Let me take that back. I said that wrong. When I get long-winded, not if. It's not a question of if. Psalms 48 and 1, great is the Lord. How many believe that? How many believe that God is great? I believe he's greater than this end-time spirit. I believe he's greater than the sin of this world. I believe he's greater than the political situation, the economic situation, the cultural situation. I believe he's greater than the devil and every demon in hell. He's greater than every addiction. He's greater than every fault, greater than every failure, greater than every disease. He's greater than depression. He's greater than anxiety. He's greater than pain. God is great. Great is the Lord. Somebody needs to say great is the Lord. Sometimes you need to open your mouth and you need to speak great as though you got to tell yourself that God is greater than my obstacles. He's greater than my trials. Great is the Lord. Well, what do you do with a great God? When you have a great Lord, what are you supposed to do about it? And greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. When you've got a great God, he deserves great praise. Amen. I used to care a whole lot about a lot of sports. I used to, I, 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 don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. If the NBA folded, I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't miss it for one second. If, if the, I don't know that I've, that I've watched or paid attention to the NFL in years. I really don't care about it. If it went away, I'd be all right. Some more people might not leave church so early during football season. I don't really care about it. But, I, but, but maybe one of the reasons that I don't care about it like I used to is because every team I like is terrible. And when, when the team is terrible and there's not a lot of hope for victory, the crowd is dead. You go into an arena of a bad team and it's like crickets. Nobody says anything. They make a shot and there's like maybe the, the guy's family claps for him. 
And everybody else is just sort of whatever. Because they know that in the end, that defeat is almost certain. But if you flip that switch and you ever have a moment when your team is actually good and you have real hope, man, the place goes crazy. There's an energy that comes from the people because they have a great expectation of what's going to happen. Amen. Well, when you have a great God, then there ought to be great praise. Amen. There should never be a moment when you serve a God that's never lost a battle, when you serve a God that's never been overcome or defeated, when you serve a God that rides on the winds, that sets the universe in order, when you serve a God that breathes life into this world, that makes it rotate on his axis, keeps the tides coming in and out, causes the sun to shine by day and the stars by night. When you serve a God that makes a way where there seems to be no way, that puts a door where there was no door. When you serve a God. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you serve a God. I'm going to tell you what kind of God. We, I was going to do it tonight. But I'm not going to, I was going to send it to, to Brother Zach, and I was going to let him put it on the wall. But I, I, when you serve a God that does this, let me tell you, this is a, this is a post by, by a play, a, a, a something, what's it called? A group on, what they call them on Instagram? A, a Pentecostal Heritage. It's a post by Pentecostal Heritage. Thank you. He's got the gift of interpretation. He knows what I think. I just don't know how to say it. It's, it's a young lady named Sierra Johnson. Quote, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Sunday night, I'm guessing last Sunday night, a notable miracle occurred in my life. As I have already alluded to, my heart stopped beating. I stopped breathing and my body turned cold as witnessed by hundreds of people and multiple medical professionals. I don't know who this person is, but by multiple medical professionals. You want to interpret that one? Medical professionals in the building. But as the church began to pray, I was revived. And a mere four days later, I was able to take this picture with my parents. When you serve that kind of a God, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. My friend, don't take this, don't take this too personal. But if you can't praise God here, you're never going to make it to heaven because you won't like heaven. If you can't praise him in the city of our God, you're sure not going to praise him out on the streets. You're not going to praise him out in the village. You're not going to praise him over. you got to learn how to praise God in this. This is the house of praise. And if you've got a great God and a great experience and a great anointing, you ought to give God a great praise right now. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Somebody ought to give God a great praise. If it's been a while, you ought to warm it up. 
If it's been a little bit since you did it, you ought to just go ahead and do it. You ought to break down the barriers of your flesh and your fear and your pride and your ego and say, God, this is not about me. This is about you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In Mount Zion, this is the habitation of God. This is the dwelling place of the Lord. That word greatly. That word greatly, greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly. That word greatly means exceedingly. Exceedingly. So when you think you've done enough, exceed it. It, say, it, has, it says much might. If you're not giving God much might, you're not really greatly praising him. If you give him just a little might, just a laid back might, just a golf clap might, just not just a regular, just a regular praise, not an exceeding praise. Just a, that's not good enough. The Bible says, "Great is the Lord, and greatly, a much might praise with force in abundance to a great degree." I read, I, I learned a new word today from the Hebrew dictionary. It says, "Exceeding with muchness." I didn't know muchness was a word. Muchness with muchness. I didn't have any idea. Did anybody here know that muchness was a word? It is. If you didn't know it, it is. It's, if, it's in the, if it's in the Hebrew dictionary, then by God, Jeremy Lang says it's the truth. I believe, brother. Which, with muchness. If I just give God a praise, but it doesn't have exceeding with muchness, it's not a great praise. But the Bible says, great is the Lord and greatly with muchness, with much might, with force in abundance to a great degree, exceedingly. If we're not giving him that, then we're falling short of what the Bible says that God deserves. So it reflects that either God isn't great or we've not let him be great in our life. Just stare at me. Go ahead. I'll still preach it. That God deserves a great praise. That we're not given. I don't believe that at any point today we've really quite given him as much as he really deserves. With muchness. Oh, praise God. Praise God. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. I got to preach. I got to preach fast now. Zion. The Bible said it's the mountain of his holiness. Zion is the mountain of his holiness. In other words, Zion is a place where holiness should be on display, where holiness cannot be hidden, where holiness is not just a mere side factor, but it's enough of a difference that the whole mountain is declared by holiness. Zion is different from Mount Gerizim or the Samaritan's Mountain or Baal's mountain. It's different than all, because there's something about Zion. That word, that word holiness means to be separate or his separateness, his apartness. There's something so different about Zion that's compared to all the city round about it that when people look at Zion, they automatically have the mind, that's the mountain of his holiness. Can I tell you that when the world looks at the church and sees no difference, when, 
when we can walk in and out of work and school and everywhere else we go and nobody notices a difference, not only in the way we look, but the way we act and our attitude and how we treat and talk to people, then we are not really in Zion because when you are in Zion, it is notable there's something holy about Zion. There's something different about Zion. Oh, hallelujah. I I said it a while ago, I'll say it again, that God's church is a holy church and God's people are a holy people because because our God is holy. I don't want to be like the other people. I'll tell a quick story. I I, I preached a a funeral. I helped preach a funeral of a a friend of 32 years. And and, and this, this friend, Brother Harris, was was known far and wide as one of the best drummers in, in Pentecost when he was young. And when he was, when he was nine or ten years old, he played, he played the drums with his, uh, with his uncle and, and some other, they called it, I, I can't remember what, the Kincaid Trio maybe or something, I don't know. But he played the drums. And there was a man that came and they, were, they, they, they went to buy a piano, a grand piano for the church. And, uh, and Sister Poole sat down on the piano and Brother Nathan Roberts, he got, on, he got on the guitar and Curtis got on the drums and they began to play some of these old time church songs, these worship songs. And there was a man in the store, wherever, wherever the venue was, and he stopped. And after they played two or three songs, he went up to him and he said, he said, uh, he said I own a nightclub in Natchez, Mississippi. He said, and you all are better than any group that we have come and play in our nightclub. He said, he said that we don't have anybody that can play the guitar and the keyboard and the drums like you all do. He said, I will give you $100 a night. This is, this is uh, 40, 42 years ago. That was when $100 was $100. He said, I'll give you $100 a night if you'll come to my, to my honky-tonk and you'll play music. And he said, he said I'll give you $100 a night on, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, if you'll come. You can be at church on Wednesday and Sunday, but if you'll come play Thursday, I'll give you $100 a night. And, and, and they said, no, we can't do that. We're, that's not our kind of environment. We don't want to do that. And when the, guy, when the guy got done talking, this 10-year-old, 19-year-old little drummer, he started crying. And he was just crying and crying and crying. <coughs> and his uncle said, Curtis, why? Why are you crying? He said, what's wrong? He said, I don't want to sound like a nightclub drummer. I'm telling you, when God gets a hold of your heart, you don't want anything to do with this world. There's something. I know, I know this generation wants to fit in with the world and be like everybody else, but now Zion, Zion says, God, change me so radically that I don't fit in anywhere else but in Zion. Let me tell you, if you've got talent, your talent wasn't meant to be spent in a nightclub or somewhere. It was meant to be spent in the church. You're not supposed to be singing in a honky-tonk. You're supposed to be singing in a choir. Your talents and abilities are not meant to be spent on this world. You're supposed to be spiritual Zion. I wish somebody would help me preach right now. I know I'm preaching against the spirit of this age, but somebody's got to preach it to us. Somebody's got to say there's got to be a difference. 
I'm not saying it with pride. I'm saying it because I'm thankful that God has made the church holy. Beautiful for situation. Zion is only beautiful because of how it's situated. If Zion comes down from where it's supposed to be, then Zion is no longer beautiful. It's only beautiful because how it's situated. It's the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king? There's no way I'm going to finish this sermon this morning. He said it's beautiful for its situation. Zion's beautiful because it's situated. Now notice what the verse before said. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. The writer said Zion is situated where there's praise and where there's holiness. And it's beautiful because of its praise and because of its holiness. And if Zion ever loses its praise or its holiness, then it's just another hill. Let me go ahead and make two sides of an argument mad at me right now. Because there's some churches that they praise God like crazy. It's wild, but they have no holiness whatsoever. And there's some churches, they have holiness so far down. They have holiness so down, but they're as dead and mean-spirited as anybody else. But if you really want to be God's church, you got to have praise and holiness. It's not enough to be holy and dead, and it's not enough to shout and be dirty. Praise God. Let my charismatic brothers be mad at me and let my everything is a sin brothers be mad at me. But let me preach the word that Zion is beautiful because of its praise and it's don't ever let Bethlehem become a dead church. God, don't ever let Bethlehem become a dead church. I get tired of them people going down in that altar all the time. It just makes the service last longer. I, they don't have to come down there all the time and, and, and carry on like that. You better shut your mouth about praise because that's what keeps Zion beautiful. You better not make fun of a worshiper. You better not make fun of a praiser. You better say, thank God that somebody keeps the beauty in Zion. And you better not make fun of our young people and our older people that live a holy life and say, it don't take that. You don't have to do what. You better shut your mouth because you're about to diminish Zion. If not beautiful, if it's not holy, and it's not beautiful if there's not praise. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. On the sides of the north, God is known, he says in verse 3, God is known in her palaces for a refuge. Zion is a refuge because of the presence of God. It's a place where the addict can come and find a refuge. Sister Billie Jean, after you got done giggling on the morning show this morning, And you started talking about how when you and Michael came to church and how the church loved you and reached out to you. But not only that, but now you're doing it to everybody that you can. Amen. Thank you. Because it's a refuge. 
It's a refuge where people. I was thinking about y'all even before I watched the morning show because these two people, that man, they get here early. I mean, they get here. They, they, must, they must have the most horrible bed in all of Mississippi because they can't wait to get out of it and get over here. They're so early. But you're not as early as I am. I've been, I've been, I, I, I think about, and I, I don't want to embarrass you, but when you all first came, we had to give you gas money to get here half the time, remember? You guys were struggling. And I, I'm not saying it to embarrass them, but when they put God first in their life, God began to pick, to put the pieces of their life together. Amen. There's more God's got for you too as well. I'm telling you, there's higher heights. There's more blessings. Amen. Brother Michael came to me, and he said, I got one of those building fund offerings. He said, I got one of those building fund envelopes. And you know what I thought in my mind? I said, okay, God, then you bless them. God, they're going to do it, then you bless them. There's more. I'm gonna t- the, the reason is because Zion is a refuge. That you don't have to be rich to come. We'll love you anyway. You don't have to have a whole bunch of stuff. All you got to do is want to come and worship God. And it's a refuge for the addict. You can come and get cleaned up. Yes, Lord. I'm, 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 almost, I'm coming to a close here. Psalms 48, 12, and 13. It says, walk about Zion. I'm not going to get done, Bishop. I'm giving up on that part of it. Walk about Zion. He said, he, said, he said, here's what you need to do. He said, you need to go on a little bit of a walk. You need to walk around Zion a little bit. He said, he said walk around about and tell the towers thereof. Look at that tower right there. And then, and then look, look at the next verse. Mark ye well her bulwarks, her strengths, the the places that are defenses against the enemy. Consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generation following. He said, sometimes you just got to take a walk and remember the things that God has done. Avery, what did we call you this morning with your cowboy? Slim, cowboy Slim Pickens. You don't know it. You don't know this. I don't think you know this, but, but we're going to take a little walk. Here, put that down. Me and you are going to take a little walk. We're going to walk about Zion because I've got a responsibility to point out the towers and the bulwarks and the palaces so that you can understand, all right? So the next generation. And so the reason I picked on you was because we walked, we walked about so we can get you back to where you started. You don't know it, but at this very spot right here, on that spot, on that pew on a Wednesday night. Brother Ezra Butler, who I don't know if you remember him. You were, you, were, you, were really, you were young when he passed. He probably had more faith than anybody I ever knew. He fell, how far? Sister Betty, how far was that, was that water tower he fell from? A hundred and, was it a hundred? It was like 114 or something? 110. See, it's not your voice, it's my ears. I'm getting old. 110 feet, he fell off a water tower and lived. He was in the Guinness Book of World Records for a while. I don't, whoever passed it, God help him. But he needed, 
he needed surgery. He's having a health issue, and he needed surgery, and his blood pressure was high. He, he needed surgery on his, on his arm, I think. And his, they couldn't do the surgery. He broke his arm. They couldn't do the surgery because his blood pressure was high. And so on a Wednesday night, he came up here, and he sat, and he motioned me over, and I came over, and he told me, he said, I need to have surgery, but my, but my arm, on my arm it's broke, but my blood pressure's high, so I can't do the surgery. And so sitting right here, the Bible said, walk about Zion, mark her bulwarks, her palaces, and her towers. Sitting right here, I prayed for Brother Ezra that God would bring his blood pressure down so they could do the surgery. And he came back Sunday, and he said, Pastor, when you prayed for my blood pressure, God just went ahead and healed my broken arm. Right here. Not in Africa. Not in South America. Not at camp meeting. Not at youth congress. Not at youth convention. Right here on a Wednesday night. Sometimes you just got to take a walk around Zion. Sometimes you just got to take a walk. I could bring... trying to think of who might want to take a walk with me now. I don't have, Molly is not volunteering. Devin will volunteer. I volunteered Devin. Sister Joy, Brother Billy, how long, how long was, was Joy away from the church? Brother Wilson? 49 years. 49 years. Raised here as a little girl. Yeah, baptized at 11 years old. Wilson said she came when she, we're just walking around Zion. That's what we're doing. What we're doing is we're just walking around Zion for a minute. And on a, on a, I think it was a Sunday morning. Is that right, Brother Billy? I think it was a Sunday morning. She came and she stood right here. Right here. It was, it, you're within, you're within at least a foot or two of where she stood. And after all those years, she said that, that she told people when she was little, she got the Holy Ghost, but she didn't think she really did. Because, but she just, you know, she didn't want to keep getting hassled by people. 49 years later, she came and stood right here. And God baptized her with the Holy Ghost. And I don't know if there was a person that had more joy until the day she died. All we're doing right now is we're, we're taking a little walk around Zion. The sides of the north, what we're talking about is the place the places where God has delivered and set free and healed and worked miracles. Amen. Brother Kevin, let's go for a walk. His grandbaby, you can bring her with you if you want. She may not want when she sees where we're going. Brother Kevin, away from God, had, had been away, and almost everybody but his wife gave up hope on him. But on a Sunday morning, he walked right down that aisle, and I don't even know if I remember you stopping at the pew. He walked right down that aisle, and he came right here. And right here, he gave his life back to God. And God, now, now they, they, they had one, one or two get the Holy Ghost, or baptized last week in the prison. He and Brother Danny, <coughs> he and Brother Danny and Brother Craig and others have been instrumental in over 150 baptisms in the prison in the last year. And we're, what we're doing is we're taking just a little bit of a walk around Zion. Because it's good sometimes to stop and go back and say, that's where I got healed. That's where I got the Holy Ghost. There ought to be a mom and a dad that takes their child 
and says, and, and says, look, when, when, I was, when I was about 15 years old and we moved, this is where I got the Holy Ghost. This is where I gave my life to God. And you ought to, gra- you ought to be able to go. Eli, where did you get the Holy Ghost at? Go to the place. Amen. Right here. Sometimes you just got to walk around Zion. Now, if you ever have kids, especially if they're my grandkids, it better be a long time. But if you ever do, you better bring them to this spot and say, this is where God touched my life. This is where I'm going to walk. That's what's so beautiful about the house of God is all the beautiful palaces and towns, the places where God did great things. Anybody else have a, anybody got a memory spot? Amen. Sister Gail, I was thinking it's somewhere right about in the middle, right about where you are, where you're on a Sunday morning when they were singing the very song they sang this morning, He Came Looking For Me. That's your daddy, Joe Pipkin, after years. I don't know how he went so long married to your mom without getting the Holy Ghost. Amen. But somehow he did. But Santa, I think it was somewhere right between, right between where you are now. While that very song that they sang this morning was being sang, I looked back and his hands were up in the air and tears were coming down his face and he was baptized with the Holy Ghost. What we're doing this morning is we are understanding about the sides of the north. This is where God has done great things. How many's ever got a miracle here? How many were filled with the Holy Ghost here or baptized here or got delivered here or found joy here or got restored when you were here? Come on, if, I, if any of those things I just mentioned happened to you when you were here, I want you just to stand and wave your hand or raise your hand. This is where God turned my life around. We're just walking around Zion. Stay standing with me. He said, walk around Zion, go, so you can tell it to the next generation. And then the devil, I'm skipping stuff. I'm I'm doing sermon surgery. I just skipped about eight verses, six. Isaiah, stay stay standing with me. If you want to go to the spot you got the Holy Ghost, you're welcome to. If you want to, you don't have to, but you can. But notice what Lucifer said in Isaiah chapter 14. The Lord said, you said in your heart, I'll ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. The devil said, I'm going to take over. I'm going to take over that place where lives get changed. I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to be the one that determines. I'm going to sit on top of the mount of the congregation on the side. I'm going to determine when people get delivered. I'm going to determine what happens in people's lives. I wish I had time to, to, I skipped all the part where it talked about why the north is significant. I'll do it some other year. But the devil said, I'm going to be in control, not God. You want to know why you have to fight so much for your praise? And fight so much to live holy. And fight so much against this world. It's because the devil wants to unseat God in your life. The devil wants to be the one that determines your outcome and your direction. And so it's this battle that the devil wants those places in your life that God wants held in power and control. It's the battle 
for the sides of the north. As your eyes are closed all over this place, I'm sorry I went a little over. But the reason you have so much internal conflict and turmoil, and it feels like you're being fought at every step, and it feels like the devil is constantly just ringing you out, it's because he wants to control the sides of the north in your life, that place of authority and power and direction. There is no eastern star, and there is no western star, but there is a north star, a guiding star. If, if, if you ask a child, where's heaven? What are they going to do? The problem is the way the world turns, every second that goes by, you're actually pointing to a different spot. Twelve hours later, you're pointing the exact opposite direction as you were. But if you point north, which I think is this way, in ten years, if you're pointing that way, it's still north. And in a thousand years, it's still north. The devil, really what he wants is control of the direction and the guiding principles of your life. It's the battle for the North Star, for the North in your life. Not the North Star, the North, the direction. But look, I'm sorry I didn't get to preach all that. I got, I got long-winded trying to shake you all up a little bit, and I didn't get to preach a lot of that stuff that explains the power of the North in the Bible. But what I really wanted to do was let you know that's why your struggle is so intense. That's why sometimes you feel like you're losing your mind or you feel like no matter how hard you press, you can't get through. It's because the devil has determined, I'm going to take the sides of the north. I'm going to sit in the controlling, guiding, ruling place of their life. But great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And so the word of God says, let Mount Zion rejoice and let the daughters of Judah be glad because in the end, if you'll hold on, you've got victory. As your eyes are closed again, let me just, let me just ask you, if I've, if I've addressed some stuff that you've wondered lately, you've been curious, why am I in such a battle? Why is it so difficult? Why have I had to fight so hard? And you've been praying. You've said, God, why has it been so difficult? And this message has shined a light and let you see the reason why. I want you to step out from where you are, and I want you to come and press your way to an altar. It's the battle for your north. It's the battle for the sides of the north. It's the battle for your holiness. It's the battle for your praise. It's the battle for your victory. It's the battle for your joy. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. You ought to lift your hands to heaven and say, God, I want to retain. I want you to be the God of the north. 
God, I want you to be the God of those things in my life that I need. I need holiness. I need joy. I need praise. Come on, you ought to talk to God. God's come to give somebody strength. Why don't you lift your voice and talk to Him? He's here to be your restoring God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now I understand why He's fighting me so hard. Now I understand why I've had to fight so much. It's been the battle for the north side. It's been the battle for Mount Zion. The devil's trying to unseat the God of my life. He wants to take control. He wants to take control of my worship and my prayer and my lifestyle. But God, you're great. Come on, lay your hand on somebody close to you. There's peace here. I want you to pray one for another. There's peace here. A big part of of victory is understanding why you're in the battle. That it's something worth fighting for. That it's something worth holding on for. That it's something worth persevering for. A big part of victory is having it settled in your heart that what I'm doing and the way I'm living is worth fighting for. That's right, go ahead. That's right, man, pray. That's right, man, pray. Amen. Why don't you be led by the Spirit? Maybe God's leading you to pray with somebody. Maybe something, somebody's standing out you've had a burden for. Why don't you just go? You don't have to embarrass them and bend their neck back, but just pray for them.
one for another. Let the Holy Ghost lead you in ministering to each other. Sometimes it's just nice to know somebody's in the battle with you.
word. God, we praise you, Jesus, for the beauty of holiness, for the beauty of praise, the sides of the north. We thank you for the spirit and truth, the ingredients of worship. We thank you for faith and works that produce salvation and deliverance and healing. We thank you, God, today. In Jesus' name, why don't we give the Lord a good hand clap of praise right now. trip, fishing trip, or meeting over here by the organ, the greeting team meeting over here by the drums, meet and greet is in the discipleship room. Also, we have a special request for Ricky Lee Ferguson in stage four cancer, but we know a God that can heal no matter what stage it's in. Let's pray together right now for Ricky. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray for the healing of Ricky Lee Ferguson. That you would rebuke the cancer, touch and make him whole and well. For your glory, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, we give you the praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for healing power. In the name of Jesus. Come back and be with us tonight. Let's expect a great time in the Lord. Six o'clock in the prayer room. Six thirty in the sanctuary.